We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and Blue Wire Hustle. This evening, I am joined by my good friend, the mustachioed man himself, Dan Senyo. How are you this evening, my friend? Good. Gotta. I gotta make sure I get an early start on the Halloween stash this year. Last year, it, it came in nice. It didn't curl up on the sides as much as I wanted it to. So we uh, we get an early start for for October and, and the festivities of being Luigi once again. <laughs> for sure. All right. So today we're going to cover some news and notes and then play a little bit of overvalued, undervalued, looking at the Rotoviz Triflex ADP. So I'm excited for that. So we're about to get into the show. So first we have. The big trade, it occurred at some point in the last couple of days. I forgot. I think it was sat- Saturday or Sunday? Maybe su- maybe Sunday. I think it was Sunday. Um, the big Julio Jones trade went down. Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons heading north to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, basically a second-round pick heading back to the Falcons. Th- this has been a puzzling uh, you know, development pretty much ever since the Kyle Pitts draft pick. Um, when you and I talked about the Kyle Pitts draft pick, we seemed like, okay, this is, for some reason, the Falcons going for it this year. And then trading Julio Jones seems like they're no longer going for it. Um, and obviously, they knew they they knew before they took Kyle Pitts that they weren't uh, 
going to keep Julio Jones. So it just makes the, the Kyle Pitts pick even more puzzling. Well, see, and I think we, uh, I, I think I kind of maybe came to the realization that they were more than likely going best player available right there. Um, it was pretty widely known that Kyle Pitts was up there for every NFL franchise. I think outside of the top couple of quarterbacks, Pitts was right there along with Jamar Chase for essentially everyone. So, uh, you know, the the more I, I've gotten, you know, further removed from the draft, I think I think the Kyle Pitts draft pick is a, a decent one at the very, very least. Um, but we were also all in love with like the OJ Howard pick and the David Joku pick and Evan Ingram and all of these different things. So hopefully this isn't any of those scenarios. I do still think it, it's a fine move for the Falcons and just kind of keep a weapon or two around for Matt Ryan in his last, however many years he has, obviously they still have Calvin Ridley and you know, the, the offense isn't, probably going to be as as insanely potent as it has been obviously when you when you remove julio jones from any equation uh it's going to take a way a little bit but they were pretty good last year without julio uh as an offense uh, ridley was was absolutely killer and even the the auxiliary pieces i mean they they held their own and they put up some decent numbers all right so let's cover the falcons equation part of this first so kyle pitts calvin ridley matt ryan I think it's a slight bump down for Matt Ryan, but it's one of those things that we've seen this coming for the last couple months. And with Kyle Pitts, it does, I think it, the one thing it does do is it raises the floor of Kyle Pitts in year one. You know, traditionally, a, a tight end has a very low floor in year one. The targets are going to be too high for him to have a low floor. Like his floor is, you know, outside of just like not playing, his floor is realistically like tight end like eight or tight end nine because he's going to get 100-plus targets in an offense that has nothing after Calvin Ridley and, I guess, Hayden Hurst. Do you think Pitts would have been the clear-cut 101 in one one QB leagues if, if Julio had been traded pre-draft? I mean, I, I, think, I think that he, he still would have been there with, with Chase and Najee for most people. Um, I mean, I, I saw Pitts go 101 a few times. Yeah, uh, same. But, but I didn't necessarily agree with that. You know, we aren't, we aren't the biggest fans of tight ends on the Dynasty Straightcast. Um, but I will say that one of the, my knocks on tight ends is year one production, and it is the floor. And I think Kyle Pitts, that's raising with, you know, his situation and how good he is. You know, he's the, he's the highest drafted tight end ever. So if we're ever going to think a tight end is good, now is going to be the time yeah. to do it. Um, and he's in the spot, and he's in a spot to do it. So if there was ever a, a time where maybe – that that delay in points wasn't you know uh, either you know set in stone or at least you know one of the higher outcome one of the higher percentage outcomes. Uh, it, it's going to be a Kyle Pitts year. I would imagine he's going to be up there in tight end targets as far as league leaders, and it, it could potentially be a wide receiver one season for Calvin Ridley. I do think it can be a wide receiver one season for Calvin Ridley, and I think that he's undervalued to start up, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I think that with Calvin Ridley, his his number one thing right now is I feel like people are going to say, okay, he's the only wide receiver in an offense. And to a small extent, he is. But I don't think they're going to suddenly just give Calvin Ridley like 170 targets. I think that he's going to be one of the higher targeted wide receivers, one of the higher targeted wide receiver ones in the NFL. But I don't think he's going to get all of the targets. I think Olamide Zacchaeus is going to get some targets. I think um, uh, Frank Darby is going to get some targets. Like, 
yes, Ridley is going to get a lot of targets, but I think we might be overshooting it a little bit with the 160 targets, the 170 targets. I'm not sure one of those names you said. It sounded like you said fluoride, but Frank Darby, maybe. Yeah, I don't don't know how they just don't absolutely pepper Pitts and Ridley here. It's going to be an interesting offense, and I'm kind of excited to see to see Pitts just completely pummel any rookie tight end records that maybe there has been set. I don't know how outlandish how outlandish that is, but I think if there was ever a rookie tight end with super high expectations to completely crush any rookie receiving records from that position, it's going to be this year. Now we'll wrap up the Falcons with Matt Ryan and his dynasty value. He's currently being drafted at 703 QB 21 overall in Rotoviz Triflex ADP. He's an interesting concept because I don't think he's a long-term starter. I think he's guaranteed to be the starter for the next two seasons. And I think that he might be the type of guy who who does, you know, uh, do some journeyman type stuff after the Falcons. But where are you at with him? Do you you see him as a long-term starter? Do you see him as, you know, a guaranteed short-term starter and then like some upside for, for starting in his, you know, late 30s? Well, I think as long as he's in the league, he's a starter. Uh, I don't see him on that that Joe Flacco level, you know, where it's just kind of you move on and then you fizzle out and, and and then just keep, you know, riding rosters and collecting paychecks. I, I don't think Matt Ryan is is that. I think I think he is definitely uh, above the replacement level or above the backup level and there's still there's always going to be a need for competent quarterback play whether it's after an injury or a team that's just struggling with whoever they drafted or whatever. So I think, I think we probably have at least three more solid years of Matt Ryan, which maybe is, is pushing it a little bit, but you know, he's been, he's been pretty darn good his whole career. He's never, he's never been a real difference maker. He's kind of always had the pieces around him to make him probably a little bit better than he actually is. But you know, he's he's proven to play pretty well with Julio off the field. Obviously, it changes the offense entirely, but I, I don't think this is something where he just falls off a cliff and disappears. I, I think he sticks around, and I think he plays a meaningful role, whether it's fantasy or just in the NFL in general. Yeah, and for me, if you're not going to, you know, go early quarterback with a Kyler Murray or a Dak Prescott, if you're looking to wait on quarterback, this is where I'm comfortable with, you know, I need a quarterback to win now. I need a quarterback now. And in that seventh round, you have Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins. Um, a little bit later on, you have Tom Brady, Daniel Jones. Like, Daniel Jones, not on the list. Basically, it's it's Matt Ryan. It's Kirk Cousins. Those are two guys that are values in the seventh round as guys who are going to be multi-year starters. Now, let's move to the Tennessee Titans and the fallout of Julio Jones arriving there. Uh, I think that there was a lot of straw men arguments being made where people were like, I'm not moving AJ Brown down my rankings. And everyone was like, correct. Like you shouldn't be moving AJ Brown down your rankings. So I'm going to join that straw man and say, I am not moving AJ Brown down my rankings. He's still one of the top four wide receivers. And that is not changed by the presence of Julio Jones. Yeah. It's, it's not like they brought in a a 22 year old. I, I mean, they, they replaced, Corey Davis and Johnu Smith with one of the greatest ever to do it, but he's also, he's no spring chicken anymore. So um, I'm leaving pretty much AJ Brown right where he was. Obviously you're not going to move him up. I don't think it it maybe helps a little bit, take some of the pressure off, 
but the defense is still just, I mean, essentially has three players to focus on with Julio, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. That's who you're focusing on. They're not worried about the tight end position like they were previously or, or as much. They don't really have anybody in the middle. So they're going to focus those three and they're still going to eat. It's going to be, it's going to be super efficient. I think the only player I'm moving any direction is Ryan Tannehill and up because adding Julio Jones is, is pretty massive for Ryan Tannehill who, once you remove him from the graces of Adam Gase uh, has shown to be a pretty darn good quarterback. Who would have thought? Sam Darnold. <coughs> Sam Darnold. Oh, shoot. Sam Darnold's an ex Ryan Tannehill. Don't forget that. Uh, I, I will say, I think I'm, Bumping Julio down just a tad because I think there are there were better landing spots for him from a, a volume perspective. I think being a wide receiver two on the opposite of one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, plus having Derrick Henry as the RB one, like being the Titans wide receiver two isn't exactly a target hog scenario. But you don't really need to be when that offense is going to be so good. That offense is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. You know, competing with with teams like Dallas and you know Tampa. And so I think they're going to be putting up, you know, high 20s, early 30s points a game. So I, I think that if anything, you maybe bump Julio down a little bit. Ferkser is dead. Ferkser is the one who I think gets the most like hurt by this. I think he was a legitimate, like, you know, low end tight end uh, streaming option. But now he's kind of just hoping for scraps at this point. But yeah, the main takeaway for me is T- Tannehill up and AJ Brown staying the same. Yeah. And, and anyone overreacting to, to the move, I, I think, just needs to settle a little bit. Yeah, you're adding a huge piece into an offense, but you also have to remember that they removed two pretty substantial pieces from the offense in Corey Davis and John New Smith. So uh, I think Julio slots in really nice, um, maybe a slight ding to him, but I think where he was being valued and, and uh, you know how he was being ranked while he was in Atlanta at the age that he's at was pretty accurate to where he's, he is in Tennessee now. Like you mentioned, volume is going to be a little bit of a concern. Tannehill only threw the ball 481 times last year. Ideally, we're having that above 500, which we're not too far off of that. But Tennessee is is built to run. Obviously, now you have two of the top wide receivers in the game and easily the top wide receiver duo in the game. Um, so I, I think maybe they, they could find themselves leaning on the pass earlier in games uh, and saving Henry for the second half. But it's going to be a really tough offense to stop, like you said. All right, let's move on to the other bit of news. We have not surprising news, but I think it's news worth worth news worth covering, and that is Aaron Rodgers has uh, reportedly said, nope, not doing the minicamp thing. Um, so w- what are your thoughts now on Rodgers? It, do you think that he ever puts on a Packers uniform again? Uh, I think it would take a lot of, you know, front office changes in order for him to be comfortable going back. I think it's been made pretty clear by Aaron Rodgers himself and all of the media surrounding that he loves pretty much everyone there except for the front office. And it's kind of hard to blame him. They've and, done, and, and maybe LaFleur for kicking the field goal. <laughs> maybe LaFleur slightly for that field goal. We, we cannot confirm nor deny um, but they've done nothing to help him in a long time. They just, Hey, you're an Aaron Rodgers. Look at how much money you're getting. Figure it out, which isn't really how front office should be responding. They've drafted horrendously and they just, it's 
Aaron Rodgers, it's Devontae Adams, and they've been lucky to get a couple of, of useful running backs here and there, but they continue to waste picks and money on those. So, I mean, I don't blame Rodgers for not wanting to go back. Um, I, I genuinely don't think we see him play uh, a snapper of the Packers ever again. But the Packers are smart. They would, you know, they would push back and just not trade him, make him sit a year. And I mean, that's not going to change. That's not going to change how much they get in return because a fresh, healthy, 100% Rodgers in 2022 might even fetch you more than he would right now, regardless of losing a year. Now, I am a Jordan Love enthusiast, as you might know. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's been some positive blurbs, some positive camp reports from Love with Rodgers' absence, but it doesn't seem like it's even a lock that with Rogers out that love starts week one, which seems bad. Um, so do you think that this is more so like just working out the kinks and that like, if push comes to shove and there's no Rogers, that it's definitely love or do you think there's a legit shot that Bortles gets to start over, or Bortles or really anybody gets to start over love? Well, I think they'd be better off just not having a quarterback and only playing 10 players on offense and putting Bortles out there. <laughs> Um, so I, I still, I still think there's an outside chance that Rogers is moved for say a Trey Lance, even maybe the jets get their feet wet and throw Zach Wilson at him. You know, it, it's, it's possible that a deal like that could go through. I don't know if green Bay has any interest in either of those two quarterbacks, even like a, a two attack of Iowa, like something like that is going to have to be a deal. Yeah, Rodgers is, what, 37 or 38 now? And he's asking a ton of money. They're not going to probably get everything that they want. But you also have to realize, for whatever team gets him, it's you can just like chalk the, the playoffs up. Like You're going to the playoffs if you get Aaron Rodgers and you make that move. Any team in the NFL right now that gets Aaron Rodgers is going to the playoffs. Sands, maybe the Jets. That's about it. Yeah, but realistically, I think that there's two landing spots left for Rodgers. I think it's Washington and I think it's Denver, um, which I think both are legitimate possibilities and both would be Super Bowl contenders if they had Aaron Rodgers on the roster, particularly Washington more so than Denver. But still, you know me, I'm very much like I'll believe it when I see when it comes to transactions. I I actually lean like the order of likelihood. I, I lean Aaron Rodgers not playing football one, Packers Rodgers two, non-Packers Rodgers 3. Interesting. Yeah, see, I I think I think there becomes an urgency in about a month where the Green Bay front office realizes that he's actually not playing, and as much as they want to stick to their guns, they they have to make the move to to keep the fan base from burning the whole place down, because that that fan base is wild. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a tough one. And it's, you know, the auxiliary pieces are tough, too, because then you have Devontae Adams. And then all of a sudden, if if Jordan loves throwing to Devontae Adams, I want no part of Devontae Adams. Yes, but nobody else does either. So, I mean, honestly, if I have if I have Devontae Adams thrown to Jordan Love or yes, if I have Devontae Adams thrown to Jordan Love or Jordan <laughs> that might Love be better. <laughs> if I have Jordan Love thrown to Devontae Adams, I'm going to be buying Devontae Adams. I don't often buy wide receivers near the end of their, you know, primes, but I will take a large discount on Devontae Adams with Jordan Love at quarterback. All right. Before we head into our startup overvalued undervalued conversation, let's hear about our friends Blue Wire. 
Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of all of that, will help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com slash join we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. That's right. Get your Blue Wire Hustle on today. Get what you need and get your Rotoviz promo code RVRADIO2021, 10% discount. All you need, it's what you need. And what else you need is our overvalued, undervalued list. And so we're going to go through our first four rounds today. I think we're going to make this a series over the next few weeks, go for, through four rounds, maybe per, per episode. And so we're going to start off with the, uh, we're not going to start rounds 12 through 16, Dan. We're going to start with rounds one through four. And so I'm going to name an overvalued player. You're going to name an undervalued player. And we'll basically take turns going back and forth. 
And so with round one, I have the overvalued and it's like we haven't learned our lesson from this happening <laughs> 87 million times, but we have a running back on their second contract at 25 years old, coming off huge workloads and, and injuries. Christian McCaffrey is currently going 104 in Rotoviz Triflex ADP, RB1 off the board only after three quarterbacks. Don't do this. Do not take second contract running backs in the first round of startups. And if you do, definitely don't do it over Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Owens, all of which who will be p- playing football, you know, by the time Christian McCaffrey's kids are playing football. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, we, I think we've been pretty clear on this in the past, too, as far as sinking massive value into second contract running backs, regardless of, of their status in the NFL. You know, this unless we're talking about Ladanian Tomlinson or Marshall Falk, which we really aren't. I don't think Christian McCaffrey is the generational talent that everybody likes to say. Uh, obviously, he's very good, but the injury bug has bitten him, and picking him at 104 still? No, no, no. I Like you, I'm not probably ever taking a running back in the first round unless it's at the corner and I can still get my pick of like Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, or Joe Burrow, and one of the running backs, maybe I would consider it. But if you're drafting the first round and you're not taking a quarterback, or maybe like Jonathan Taylor, I guess, just just ship it in. Maybe trade out of the first? I don't know. Yeah, and you can't trade out of the first and land Christian McCaffrey. Right. <laughs> so like, if you're trying to go running back, you end up with one of the lower tier guys in the second round. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't think it's some sort of a hot take to say he's overvalued there, but oftentimes I think this happens in public leagues In public leagues, they, uh, the, you know, the running backs, the guys who are currently scoring points often get a tad overvalued in comparison to maybe a more, you know, traditional leagues that we're playing in. Absolutely. And then, so Christian McCaffrey's are overvalued onto our undervalued. I'm, I'm saying Justin Herbert, even though he's being picked at six, for me, he should be right there in the mix with Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. I don't know, you know, and we all know I'm a Dak Prescott fan. I don't know how he's not consensus ahead of Dak Prescott. Yes, Dak has all of the weapons in the universe. We just watched Justin Herbert smash as a rookie. There is no reason for him at that age in a blooming offense to, to not be higher especially behind Christian McCaffrey. That that alone is reason why he is undervalued here. But I do think he should be right there with Josh Allen. Um, Kyler Murray and Dak probably just just ever so close behind and, and no running backs in sight as far as I'm concerned. So I think we see a, a continuation of Justin Herbert's rookie season. Uh, I would like to see them add some more weapons around him, but what they have works. So... Hopefully we we see that uh, continue to build and and obviously the return of Austin Eckler is massive too. So I see I I, I don't know how jo- Justin Herbert isn't just a lock top four. Yeah, Herbert definitely a guy who I think is a tad undervalued here. And I, I do think that if we're if we were to compare this auction this draft board to an auction board, I think that Allen Murray Prescott Herbert I think they would all be separated within a dollar or two. Yeah, and when you have an early round pick that 
two two to three spots actually a, a lot of value you're giving up typically in the first round. But in this case, if you're going from like two to five, two to six, I, I think that that's definitely a move you can make and still come away with Dak, Herbert, Allen, Murray, or I, I have Lamar, you know, up there as well with these guys. But yeah, I think that that Herbert is undervalued, not because it really have his, his draft slot, more so just like he like his ceiling is being there with Mahomes next year. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely on board with you there. Let's uh, let's slide into that second round, Nathan. And I know we just did the undervalued in the first round, but why don't you tell me you're, you're undervalued in the second round? My undervalued in the second round, uh, surprise, surprise, for an undervalued player, I'm going with the wide receiver. I've been vocal this whole offseason about how there's a big four wide receivers. There's Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and C.D. Lamb. Um, and the latest of the players that are being selected in round two is wide receiver four, D.K. Metcalf. I think he is the undervalued player in the second round. He is going at um, he is going at two oh eight ish, two oh eight, two oh nine, and I think that the reason why he might be this late is a lack of faith in Pete Carroll or a lack of faith faith in the Seahawks offense. I think that his talent and his ability supersedes any worries about the Seahawks offense. And if are you really that worried about the Seahawks offense when you have Russell Wilson like? He's going to be good enough to, you know, get DK Metcalf his 10 plus TDs. Good enough to get DK Metcalf his 1,200 plus yards. Like, he's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. Uh, I'm definitely on board um, with you having having DK Metcalf as the wide receiver four there and and being the undervalued. I would have even been okay with you saying that Justin Jefferson as wide receiver one, but off of the board at 14 or 15, whatever pick that is, uh, was undervalued because he definitely should be in that first round. I would be, I would have him ahead of all of the running backs and probably th- three of those quarterbacks that are taken in the first round. So I, I, I'm having a tough time uh, as we see the dynasty landscape kind of revert back to the early 2000 redraft <laughs> ADPs. Yep. All right. So now let's move on to the overvalued. Who are you saying stay away, stay away from in the second round? So, I mean, this one is tough. And, you know, we we, we talk about the running backs probably being a little bit too high. I wanted to say one of the tight ends going in the second round. But honestly, in a tight end premium setting, those tight ends should be going right around that 2-3 turn. And all three of the big three are. And then the fourth one is on the other side of that turn. So I'm actually going to go back to the running back well and say that Cam Akers going at pick 16 is pretty high. I, I know I've, I've kind of sung some of the praises uh, towards at the beginning of this offseason, kind of on the way through here. But 16 is pretty early for someone that we really don't have a good grasp on. We saw some good production in the playoffs. And, and we saw it come on a little bit at the end of the year. But if you really dive into the numbers, they're, they're not, they're not, it's not, he's not set in stone. Like I would rather have DeAndre Swift and DeAndre Swift is going three picks later. So for me, Akers is the clear cut overvalued here. He's, he's, he's overdrafted. Uh, I'm taking each and every one of those wide receivers that are picked behind him in there. Heck, I'd probably, and yes, this is, Probably saying a lot. It might be a little bit hyperbole, but I'm doing my best to not do that. 
I'd probably take Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Kyle Pitts over Cam Akers. Yeah, the, his price is basically factoring in that the staff that Stafford makes the Rams like a top six, top seven offense, which is certainly within the range of outcomes with a range of possibilities. But I'm not sure that means that Cam Akers is carrying that offense on the ground and in the backfield. So I, I, I think that he's a tad overvalued here, but I will say that the ceiling is there. Like Cam Akers could make this take look silly and be a top five back in that Rams offense because that Rams offense could be very good very quickly. The ce- yeah, the ceiling has always been there, and that those those were my early praises even before, you know, the the breakout. I always thought his ceiling was massive because he had all of the potential in the world. I just didn't think he was there yet. So, uh, if we really want to cherry pick too, uh, calling Matthew Stafford, you know, in hopes that it, it raises up the offense, go take a look back and see how all of the running backs under the Lions with Matthew Stafford have fared. Nathan, <laughs> not very well. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's go into round three here. Um, do we want to start undervalued or overvalued? I'll start with overvalued, keep the overvalued train rolling. And it is, you, you mentioned how the big three tight ends are values in that late second round, which I, I think that's fair. I, I personally wouldn't take uh, Kelsey in the second round of startup right now, but I don't think he's necessarily overvalued. Okay, who I do think is overvalued is one Darren Waller. He is going over a host of players that I would rather have than him. Uh, I think he's incredibly volume dependent and not saying that that volume is necessarily going places because it's not like the Raiders are flush with weapons. But the bottom's going to fall out eventually, whether it's just Carr being bad or the Raiders adding some weapons. I, I feel like at that price, at wide receiver four in the late third round, you're buying Waller as a multi-year tight end one, and I'm not sure you can lock that in quite yet. All right. I, I'm i going to do something I never never thought I would do, uh, and I'm going to actually defend a tight end on the, the Dynasty trade cast. Why can't – I mean, he is essentially their wide receiver one. He, he's going to lead the team in targets pretty comfortably he had 145 targets last year some of these wide receiver ones that we've been commenting didn't have 145 targets yes volume but everything is volume dependent we need volume efficiency is super 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 important but also there's like three players that are efficient so we go back to back seasons of 90 plus catches and 1100 yards he is Derek Carr's number one target. They have no one else worth a damn to throw to, aside from maybe Kenyon Drake, and if Brian Edwards ever lives again. I don't hate taking Waller here. He's, I, I mean, he's he doesn't have a lot of, he's still got full tread on his tires. He is, what, 27, 28 years old? I'm taking him before I'm taking Kittle, and the volume is going to be there. It, it, I mean, you, I think you can lock that in now, how long that's the part we don't know, but short term, I mean, he's, he's as win now as it gets. I, in my opinion. Yeah, no, in, in a redraft, I'll lock him in in the late third round every single time. Uh, because I, like I said, he's volume dependent, but I think that volume is certainly going to be there in the short term. Um, so, I mean, I, he, Darren Waller is, 
the epitome of how I don't build a dynasty team of building of drafting a tight end that early that's 28 and you know he's fine he's had two eleven hundred yards east which is impressive but you know just hasn't been much else there and and that 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 part I definitely get he led the team by 60 targets last year Darren Waller had 145 targets next on the list was Nelson Aguilar so Unless Henry Ruggs learns how to play football and catch and run and run routes all at the same time uh, in a shortened off season that still had some lingering COVID issues, I, I I don't hate Darren Waller in the third, especially when you're talking tight end premium. I, I think that's probably fair. And like I mentioned before, I'm I'm probably taking him over Travis Kelsey. Oh, you said Kittle before, so you would take him over. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I would take him over Kelsey, not Kittle. I think I think Waller, Kittle, yeah. and and Pitts should kind of all be in a in a blend together. Um, I think we're just kind of getting too close to that age peak for Kelsey. Yeah, no, that I mean, there's really not much argument other than like Kyle Pitts hasn't played NFL football before. That's your only <laughs> that's your only argument for possibly having travis kelsey over kyle pitts he's 10 years younger 10 years younger is wow. kyle pitts than travis kelsey and, and the whole patrick mahomes factor which i think i think matters a little bit but anyways let's do undervalued for round three this was this was my selection uh and you'll probably notice that this is kind of all going to keep following suit a little bit nathan and i uh, I think I've had one too many conversations, but I think this one is about as clear as it gets. C.D. Lamb going as wide receiver six, early third. Uh, that's beyond me. Uh, I have no idea how he gets there. I don't know how he's being taken after Devontae Adams. I don't know how he's being taken after Tyreek Hill. To be honest, I don't know how he's being taken after D.K. Metcalf. So, uh, yeah, definitely undervalued here. He's, a, I mean, at least around late, if not more. Uh, obviously, in Superflex, that, that jumbles things up quite a bit because you have a whole bunch of quarterbacks going where they shouldn't be going. And, uh, Nathan, I, I don't think there's any way you're going to argue against me here. Where should CeeDee Lamb be going? CeeDee Lamb should be going in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one of the more puzzling things. I think it gets mostly like a lot of this can be attributed to the fact that I just wouldn't take all these running backs above CD lamb. Yeah. Um, so I, I think at the very, like the absolute latest CD lamb should be going at that one, two turn um, and getting him in the early third round is absolutely stealing. I think that, you know, that basically the, you know, downside of CD lamb is, well, he has Amari Cooper to compete with. He has Michael uh, Gallup to compete to keep with which that was a semi-concern last offseason. We saw in the first five games of 2020 that Dak Prescott can support all the weapons he wants to. That offense was ridiculous, and it certainly helped that that defense was horrendous. <laughs> so um, as long as that defense is as bad as it is, they're going to continue to put up 40 points a game. But yeah, no, I, I think of all of every player we've talked about so far tonight, CeeDee Lamb is the most misplaced, the most undervalued. Yeah, there's no reason. I I mean, all three of those wide receivers should be on for another uh, 100 plus targets, all three of them. And, you know, Zeke's still going to get his. Uh, I still think we we have some life from the tight end position. And like you said, if if Dak wants to support three, four, five weapons, he's going to. They're going to throw a lot. They're probably going to run a decent amount, too. But that offense, they threw the ball 640 times last year which is 
a lot. Plenty to support all of the weapons you could possibly wish. And it doesn't hurt that Cooper, um, Lamb, and Gallup are all pretty darn good in their own right. So uh, I don't know how CD's going as late as he's going in these. Um, maybe one person drafted him super late or one one group of, of people didn't like him as much as everybody else and that skewed it, but I, I don't think that's the case. I just think he's he's being slept on because of potential volume concerns, but there's no volume concerns there. Let's move on to the round four. Now, I do want to get out ahead of this uh, round four. The the undervalued player in round four is Calvin Ridley. Uh, but guess what? Calvin Ridley, by the time you hear this message, no longer has round four ADP. Uh, he's currently going at 403 in Rotovis Triflex Leagues. But with the Julio Jones departure, I anticipate him jumping Aaron Rodgers, Trey Lance, Deshaun Watson, certainly, um, and Darren Waller as well. So at least a few spots bumped up. And you can debate Ridley versus Chubb, Ridley versus Dobbins. So we'll all agree Calvin Ridley undervalued, correct? Uh yeah, there's there's no argument there. That's that's the lock. But like you said, he's he's probably gonna jump a full round minimum uh and be kind of in that Stefan Diggs cat, uh, category here in a, a week. And so my oh, I undervalued here is kind of contingent on my own previous values. I still semi believe that Sam Darnold is an NFL quarterback. And if Sam Darnold's an NFL quarterback, DJ Moore is going to be a top five wide receiver this year. Uh, you know, they they lost Curtis Samuel. That's going to open up some targets. And DJ Moore, I think, takes some of those along with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, spoiler, is not going to be as good as he was the first eight games of 2020. So with that volume decreasing, with the Curtis Samuel being gone, all those signs point to a large target uh, output, you know, 120, 130 targets to DJ Moore. And I think that puts him in, in the top seven, top eight wide receiver conversation. Yeah, um, I've been a fan of DJ Moore since he came into into the league. He's had some unfortunate quarterback luck and still managed to produce some some pretty impressive numbers, you know, given the, the real lack of of strong volume uh, and, and even remotely decent quarterback play. So. Uh, I definitely am am in the the camp of DJ Moore as a, a bit undervalued. I think what is like you just mentioned a second ago when we were talking uh, about CD Lamb is probably most of these wide receivers are are getting into that undervalued area because there are way too many running backs being taken. You know, we're through look uh, just looking at the Triflex ADP. We've got 18 running backs taken in the first four rounds. Do you know how many quarterbacks are taken in the first four rounds? Not 18, 15. That's wrong. That's backwards. That is not how it should be. Do you know how many wide receivers are taken in the first four rounds? 11. That's wrong. That's backwards. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm even struggling with four tight ends going there. But like we said before, that's probably about right. So I think, and we'll get to the overvalued, which I'll give you a hint. It might be what we're talking about. Um, Don't draft running backs so early. And this isn't some like, uh, I'm trying to get in your head so I can start taking running backs earlier. You should be building your teams around 22 to 24-year-old wide receivers. Or if you're trying to compete, the 27 to 29-year-old wide receivers and absolutely waxing your competition because it's been proven time and time again 
You don't have to pay up to get running back to, to get real running back production. Uh, I mean, every year there's, there's a few, we, we always have it now narrowing in those targets that can be difficult sometimes, but if you're taking Christian McCaffrey at four, I have no help for you. And most of these guys, it's an issue. Don't take 18 running backs in the first four rounds. Okay. Before you go with your overvalued and we wrap up the show, let's just look at the board. Let's look at the, the first four rounds. Let's compliment one running back. Who is a running back in the first four rounds who is fair or good value? I think there's two that stick out. Um, who, who would you say is the most fair value of the first four round running backs? I would agree with two. I would say uh, DeAndre Swift in the mid-second and Antonio Gibson in the third at RB9. I think that's arguably the best running back value on the board. I was going to say Gibson at RB9 in the early third, and I was going to say ETN at RB13 in the early fourth. So I I think that, you know, I think you can make the argument for Swift, but you know, you've kind of drilled in my head like Detroit Lionbacks, <laughs> Detroit Lion running back stick, so <laughs> I was afraid to even say it. Um, but anyways, let's wrap the show. Who's our overvalued fourth-round player? So I, I was stuck between two here. It was either going to be Joe Mixon uh, at RB17 or Aaron Jones at RB16. Now, those respective spots, RB16 and RB17, aren't terrible for those two players. Being taken in the top four rounds at this point, Probably not great. Now everyone's probably screaming at the top of their lungs, but Aaron Jones is so good. I'm not arguing with you. We've seen over the last however many years, the Green Bay Packers refuse to commit to him. Well, he just signed a huge contract. Yeah, and they drafted A.J. Dillon. So I don't know what to tell you. He isn't a workhorse running back. That's the unfortunate part because he is and has been the best running back on that roster. That's not how they want to perform. Now we have Joe Mixon, who now the Cincinnati Bengals lose Giovanni Bernard. Maybe that thrusts Joe Mixon into a bigger role. So maybe he ends up being undervalued here. My issue is, is we've got middling running backs in the top four rounds when you could continue to build on Terry McLaurin or T. Higgins or Brandon A. Yuck, or even we could dive further and go as deep as like Devonta Smith. There's no reason to be taking, like I said, 18 running backs, especially the the second contract ones who are question marks at that point. There's so much value at wide receiver that I don't know how people aren't just stacking their lineups with wide receivers. I Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, that sounds about right. I, I agree, Aaron Jones. I mean, we talked about – I'll, I'll, I'll conclude on this. We talked about – how I'd be buying Devontae Adams if Jordan Love is the starter. Aaron Jones is is bad enough that he's going to lose a ton of value if Aaron Rodgers is not the starter, and I'm still not going to buy because Aaron Jones in a bad offense is just bad. Yeah, I mean, they, they could just end up running the wing tee with A.J. Dillon and, and, and Aaron Jones and, and Jordan Love back. Like, I, I don't know what to make of the whole bit, but – I think pretty clearly Aaron Jones is is the overvalue there. All right. Remember, you can find the Rotoviz Triflex ADP with your Rotoviz subscription via the Dynasty ADP app on rotoviz.com. Promo code RVRADIO2021 get you a 10% discount, and it supports the pod. Can't get much better than that. It's a nice little uh, summer gift to yourself. Uh, you know, get some orange slices and a Rotoviz subscription. I love it. And kind of like how Chick-fil-A says, eat more chicken – 
I'm going to just say draft more wide receivers. <laughs> there you go. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!